you're like David Blaine. And I said, yes, but surrounded by much less attractive people. All right, hey everybody. Welcome to another week of funny business. Today with me, I have a guest co-host, uh, Keith Grover from Harmon Brothers. He's with me today because one of his good friends is Piff the Magic Dragon. How are you two? You good? I'm great. It's, yeah, doing well. Okay, so before we dive into the the rest of the podcast, I love getting to know a little bit more about our guests. And I know you've talked a little bit about your history uh, on our other segment from Poop to Gold, but I'd love to know where you grew up and what your childhood was like. I'll give you a quick recap. How about okay. that? Yeah, that works. So I was a regular person, much like you, Ken. Not you, obviously, Keith. You're no regular person. And don't let anyone <laughs> tell you otherwise. Right? And then for, I don't know, 20, 28 years, that's how I lived. And then one day um, I went to a costume party and I went as a dragon. Now, before I went as a dragon, uh, my life was very difficult because I was being fired everywhere for being uh, basically too grumpy. I've got resting grumpy face. Mm. Now, I don't believe I have. But if you look at me, this apparently doesn't exude joy and cheerfulness. This, this, this visage that what you see before you is um is not what you want to see if you hire a magician for your wedding or bar mitzvah so mm. i was getting fired everywhere because that's what i was doing i was going around doing close-up magic all over the place and eventually i was like i'm running out of work and i need a better idea here so i go to this party in, in a dragon outfit no one's in dragon outfits or any other outfits in fact they're all just looking like you ken not you keith obviously you've dressed for the occasion but you ken <laughs> regular clothes okay. and i was like what, what am I going to, what, what's going on? You told me it was a costume party and they said, well, nobody turned up. So we just didn't, didn't bother. And I was like, I just walked all the way across London to be here in this. I've got no other clothes. And my friend said, you know, you should do this in your act. You could be Puff the Magic Dragon. And I said, wait, I could be Piff the Magic Dragon. You might have heard of my older brother, Steve. So I tried it. And it uh, turned my life around because basically it made it made me socially acceptable. Apparently a grumpy guy in a dragon outfit is hilarious, much funnier than a grumpy guy in real life. So that was the beginning of and I'd learned, you know, I'd learned like this, the how to do the magic part over the last Hmm. 10 years. I just hadn't figured out how to make it work. So I managed to take that part of the nuts and bolts that I'd already worked on and couple it with a a way that the audience would find me palatable and uh, Here we are, 10 years later in Las Vegas. So I'm actually a little bit more curious. I don't, I don't think we went into this on the Poop to Gold segment, but what actually like drew you into magic to begin with? You said you had already been working on it for 10 years, but what yeah, it was um, seeing a couple of magic tricks when I was a kid. The feeling those gave me, I was like, oh my, like somebody gave me these two rings, two hoops of metal. And they said, touch them together and then bang, they linked. And I was like, oh my, I've got genuine magical ability, guys. I should use this to uh, cure diseases and make gold. So I sort of like started studying it. And then I found out it was all tricks and lies. And I was mm. like, oh, this is terrible. But then when I performed the magic tricks for other people, I saw their reactions and I was like, wait a minute. The magic is in like performing it, not in how it works. So it's always fascinated me. And, and I've always been interested by what I can do with Mac, by how I can use it with the skill set that I have, which is basically being sarcastic to innocent bystanders. So obviously- Is this a long question or is yeah, it a, oh, no, an awkward question? Because it? it's, it's basically Kent just passed the buck on this one. Kent was like, I'm not, I'm not really, 
after that previous answer, I'm not going to read this out loud. He passed it to you, and you're either trying to memorize a four-line sentence, or you're thinking, how, how am I going to get away with this without being burnt by a dragon? <laughs> Let's give it a go, Keith, my best friend, Keith. Well, uh, prepare for a filibuster of a question. Along your magical journey, what were kind of some of the mistakes that you had, and how did you learn from those to you become the magic oh, dragon man. today? So many mistakes. And here's the thing. In like magic, it either is magic or it's not magic. It's a binary system. Comedy, <laughs> comedy is sort of like this, but it's either it's either not funny or a bit funny, quite funny, really funny, hilarious. Hmm. So even when you fail in comedy, you've still got uh, a few more branches to hit on the way down. Magic is like zero or good. And I, I also like to try and make my own magic tricks. You know, the stuff that you, you see me do on stage, usually there's not anyone else doing that. So to make a good magic trick, you have to do something that's not possible. Mm. So when you try and do that, it's not possible and therefore it fails. And so you try a little bit harder and it's not possible and it fails. And eventually after usually about one to two years per magic trick, it starts getting good. And usually after two years, it's really good and it's in the show and uh, everyone's happy with it. So what, what kind of measurements do you use for your shows? to see if a magic trick worked or not, or a joke landed or not. The magic, it's easy. Magic, you just say to people, hey, how did I do that? And if they guess how you did it, then you failed. And for comedy, you just have to be honest. I have to listen to the laughter on stage. I get people in the audience to tell me whether the show is good or not. You know, people I know who are honest. And then we video the shows a lot and I'll listen to the audience. Because all you're doing is just like seeing how much they laugh and going, I'm is that enough? Or do I need more laughs? You know, do I need to get like, I try and get like seven, seven laughs a minute. Seven, seven laughs, laughs a minute? Oh, no, maybe a bit more. That's high joke maybe, density. No, maybe eight, maybe eight or nine. I try and get a laugh every seven seconds. What does that work out at? Every seven seconds, like, be like five or six jokes a minute. No, is it? Yeah, because there's 60 seconds oh, yeah. a minute. Yeah, great. So I want a, I want a joke every, uh, every seven seconds. Yeah. Wait, no, no, no. I did my math wrong. You did yeah, yeah, one, right? yeah, it's like eight or nine. Yeah, between seven so to eight. It's like between seven to ten laughs a minute is great. That, yeah, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad we worked it out now. If you can get <laughs> seven to ten laughs, then you're doing okay. No, no, that's 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 really high joke density. Wow. I, don't even, I don't even know if our ads are that joke. No. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, because you want people. You want to be like punching people with 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 jokes until that they they kind of can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> now they're not all like big big laugh. you know they're not all like big big fall off your chair laughs but they you, you try and like keep the laughter rolling some of the jokes could just be like an expression mm. you know they could just be like a little look or something weird happens or a visual gag or something like that but you want this this sense that there's this constant constant stream of comedy and then you pause it do a magic trick and then you're back to the comedy so i'm curious uh it are there ever times that you shed your dragon skin and try out like some of your comedy as just you know, normal piff? I'm thinking about doing that right now because there's I've got like 20 minutes of stand-up that I've written that I want to work in because I want to release just a stand-up album on its own without, you know, something that people can just listen to while they're driving or whatever. And there's a club that says to me, you know, anytime you want to come, come and play it. So I'm, I'm thinking about going down and just running the material in as myself in order to get it like really honed in because I can't really run in material in a Vegas show. Four tickets is $500 to my show. That's a lot of money. 
Mm-hmm. You don't want to see Piftomatic Dragon's new material night for $500. Mm-hmm. You want to see the best things that I've spent my life working on. And I have run in material in a dragon outfit, but it's different because I can get away with a lot more. Because if it doesn't right. work, I can start like roasting the audience. So I've seen your show. I think uh, Keith and I were both at the last one back in what? You came to the Park City one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one, and then I saw one of your your Zoom live ones. Oh, Uh, yeah. The Park City one was interesting because it was in the venue that they do the Sundance Film Festival in, right? Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think they were used to some more highbrow entertainment than Piftomatic Dragon. And so the venue, uh, the woman who ran the venue was, I think she came around in the end. I hope she did. I hope it was like a Stockholm Syndrome situation where <laughs> by the end she was like, no, I really love him. Don't take him away. At the beginning, it was certainly like, this is what we're doing today. A, uh, a grumpy dragon, a grumpy dragon dog act. Hey, grumpy dragon showgirl dog act. I was, I was really glad that I went. It was a lot, a lot of fun. But while, while we were at the show, you did, you roasted the audience actually quite a bit and it was really fun. Yeah. So for yourself, how do you know when, too far is too far to roast an audience. When, when people start crying. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of, I'm not even being that sarcastic, really. Um, you, you know, some, I mean, look, sometimes you just don't know. You just don't. That's the thing with comedy and with jokes is that sometimes you say the wrong things and you do the wrong things. And that's just how it is. Because mm-hmm. you're always, like you say, you're always searching for that boundary. Now, when I say sometimes, I mean like one in a hundred, one in two hundred, or something like that. So it's not often at all. You know, I remember when I was uh, when I was much, much younger. Like my mum was sick. You know, she had cancer, and I mm. went to see a comedy show, and a guy did a joke about cancer, and I was like, "Oh, I don't like this," because my mum was ill at the time. Now, in comedy, the people have you know various opinions about what you can and can't say, and I, I, I don't, th- I think that like. He wasn't like being outrageous about this material, but what he said reminded me of the situation that I was in. And so you never know when you're going to trigger somebody like that. And that's not like, it's not like a, a bad, it's just like life as life is, you know, it's life on life terms. So sometimes you, you, you accidentally hit, hit somebody, hit somebody's Achilles heel and they start and they, and they start reacting. Usually I just apologize and move on and everyone understands it. I've had a, I mean, one time I had this, Kid, kids is interesting. Kids are interesting because kids get, they they can get overwhelmed by things. Mm. So they usually they're great. They love it. They and they give as good as they get. But sometimes if you know they're on stage, it's like a thousand people laughing at them. The lights are in their face. The music's going. They don't quite know what's going on, and they'll get overwhelmed, and then they'll start crying, and then they go into a shame spiral because they just started crying in front of people. And those are very, those are very powerful moments. I think that you can sort of like reach into and go, Hey, no, 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 no. It's fine. This is, everything's fine. The fact that you're even here is like, means that you're above all these uh, lesser mortals out there. You know, the <laughs> fact that you came on stage. So, you know, these, I, 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 so I, I can always make it better with these kids, but I mean, I've had, t- they just get overwhelmed and they start crying. And then the audience really like, boom, they start turning on me. So, um, so, so th- that's always like dancing around a uh, uh, hot potato. Is that what you say in this country? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess. It's, 
It's like a la- you know, the laser beams that you can't set yeah. off. It's like you, you hit one of those laser beams sometimes, and then you've got to work out how to deactivate the alarm system. Mm. That's what it is when you make when you go too far when you roast somebody. So, and and then and then there are there are other times when I, I just say the wrong thing, and that is entirely my fault. And uh, obviously, I just I mean I give you an example. Like one of my favorite movies is Babe. You know the pig movie. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, the guy turns around to the pig and he goes, that'll do, pig, that'll do, right? So I always think that's a really funny thing to say to somebody because it's like, it's like the perfect, uh, the perfect, like, um, it was the perfect response to this pig who'd given his all, you know, and, and had saved his own bacon. And the farmer was just like, that'll do, pig. Anyway, um, it's, it's hilarious when you say it to a... Um, to a cocky guy it's not so funny when you accidentally say it to um a, a very nice sweet woman who's just helped you out uh, for the last 15 minutes um, <laughs> but, uh, i've done that before by accident i've also um somebody once said to me i was doing i was doing close-up magic it's one of the reasons i got fired i was doing close-up magic and this 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 uh, group of people they said to me oh my God, you're like david blaine and I said, yes, but surrounded by much less attractive people. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, I also went to a group of people and there was two of them. And I said, hello, do you want to see some magic? And this guy slid his chair back and he stood up and he said, my wife has just asked me for a divorce. Do you really think I want to see some f-ing magic? And I said, no, because she just made half your house disappear. Bang! <laughs> and I was evicted from the restaurant. that is amazing (laughs) so that's that's uh that's a couple of examples of when it was solely my fault and nothing to do with the with the audience well piff there's plenty of magic shows out there there's plenty of competition two questions here how do you keep yourself differentiated from the other ones but also how do you shut the noises off on being critical of your own work Years ago, there was a magician who's legendary in the world of magic called Billy McComb. And he always used to say, you've got to have a business card on you at all times. And I would always go, nope. Because if you need somebody, if, if, the, if your booking relies on somebody being able to not lose a business card, then you're basically screwed. Unless they can like remember you and find you like this, then I don't think you know the act has got is going gonna, is gonna to make it. And then years later, when I stumbled into being a magic dragon, I realized that that was true. You know, my act, Piff the Magic Dragon, people aren't, they're just not going to forget that. So that's one of the ways that I found to differentiate myself. And obviously, like stumbling into the dragon thing was kind of like luck. But then I was able to capitalize on that and uh, realize what a gift it was. And then what was the second question? Oh, how do you shut out the noise? I don't think you do, do you? I mean, to a degree you do, but it's so difficult. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like a tightrope. You just got to look ahead. You can't, look, you can't ever look down. Mm. There's nothing good that comes by looking down. Very true. You know, what piece of information are you going to gain that is going to uh, help your journey succeed? Oh, it's a long way down. Well, that doesn't help this way. it's very very fair um so to go kind of on that note i love the idea that good artists create on their own or they borrow but great artists steal so you've got this entire magic empire as a dragon so what have you stolen 
from somebody else and how have you made it your own? There was, um, there was a, an orphan in the UK who had his own magic dragon show. And I punched him in the face, stole his outfit and his dog. And I've never looked back, honestly. <laughs> that, was what, that was how I became a great artist. No, I've stolen people's processes. Mm. So, for example, I was, Penn and Teller have been kind of mentors to me over the years. And all I want to talk to them is about is how they create their work. What, are the, what do they do? What are the steps they take? Because I'll steal that stuff all day long. And then there's obviously a magic and comedy. Comedy much more so. Uh, magic, unfortunately, not quite as much. But stealing material is not great. Um, so, so it's more about absorbing the processes and the, the building blocks and then trying to work it out to make it into something that is like completely unique. Because, I mean, I mean I've heard that, you know, great artists steal, but I, I can't really think of an example. Can you think of an example of that in practice? Yeah. Well, I mean, for us, uh, the department that I run here at Harmon Brothers is called Harmon Brothers University. We literally yeah. allow other people to steal our exact processes of how to write ads and how to make. Oh, yeah. Processes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think one of the misunderstandings with that statement is that you then just like, oh, so and so is doing a joke. I'll do that joke. And that's where people get all like, you, you know, what, what does stealing actually mean when it comes to art? And like, like you say, I think it's about stealing like, those processes and the ways to create material and then using them to come up with something brand new. So you said Penn Teller is like your magic inspiration. Who's right. your, your comedy inspiration? People like Jerry Seinfeld. I, I, I love the way I love that the show Seinfeld and I love his stand-up. It's so well crafted. He'll be setting up the main punchline, but he'll do be doing jokes along the way. So, and that's how you get those like rolling laughs. It's incredible. So kind of down that vein, 2020, made a lot of people reinvent themselves and i noticed this for you that you were trying to find ways to reinvent yourself because of uh like shows being canceled and things like that what what are things that you kind of borrowed from other people to keep being the success you are we were in an interesting position last year because we what we did was when when everything shut down we built a tv studio which is behind me hmm. and then we actually ended up building like three more because as we learned, you know, we would continue to like uh, work out what this, this, this studio we use for our virtual shows. So it's like a one camera and I'm like close to the camera. So you can see like if I do a, like, look, I'll do a, look. if I take out my magic wand, you can see that bang, now it's a ball. Oh, well, vanish. <laughs> so, you know, it's like really close to the camera so you can see everything in, in great detail. But at the beginning, we had it set up like a talk show studio. So it's like a three camera thing with like a robot camera for close ups. And what we actually did was make hundreds of mistakes for like nine months. Mm. And along the way, we definitely like had some successes, but we had uh, almost as many failures, which I've never I've never had as many fails as we had during the lockdown. It was just con some days it was constant like, no, 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 no. But right now we're just coming out of that. The virtual shows have found a great audience in like the corporate market. So like we do them, you know, a couple of times a week for uh, people who sometimes before we would, you know, travel for a couple of days to go and do a corporate show in the UK or something. And now they can, we can do it from without leaving ha the house. So that's been a big win. 
Um, and then everything else, we, we're kind of like, I think the way the business is going is just people just want content. Mm. You know, they just want more and more content. So we're just trying to find ways to create that content quicker, get it out there quicker, edit it quicker. Along, with, along that line, actually, you, you just talked about like how you can do it faster. So how do you achieve efficiency and like what tips and tricks have you learned along the way to be able to streamline your business? We're like infants in this, but it's like for us, it's anything that we can shoot in one and then chop up to reduce and, and make it funnier as opposed to going out on location. Like we won a big show last year called um, Tournament of Laughs on TBS. Mm -hmm. And we were doing these two minute videos, three minute videos where they were taking like a week and like 150 hours to do because oh. they were so intense. So that's like the other end of the scale. And we're trying to work on that. How can we like bang out content in a repeated form? Okay. So how long from like starting to learn magic did it take you to go from that point to doing your first paid show? Magic's different because like you can do, you, you can do tricks that you, you can buy online mm. and then, you know, they get delivered to you and a couple of days later you can actually perform them. So I would say like, I mean, I was doing paid shows within like three months of starting magic. If you're talking about the first good show, that was like 10 years. So wait, how old were you when you started learning magic then? I was 15. 15? So, and I've been doing it 25 years. So I'm uh, 31 now. Last time we talked uh, for the podcast, for Poop to Gold podcast, you said that the end goal is to be more of an entertainer than a business dragon. What, what processes are you putting in place that you can be more of an entertainer rather than a... Great question, Keith. Great question. Powerful stuff. I feel like now we're getting to the nub of the funny business. I tell you what, I'm actually... The more I do this, the more... I, it's, it's good for me to even hear that right now because I'm, I want to find a business partner so that I can really just like get that business... You know, get the business side of the show taken care of because there aren't enough hours in a day to work on the material. Mm -hmm. And I love working on the material. I love like trying to like, I mean, I was up at six this morning, just writing jokes on a bit that we're, we're, we're trying to hone this uh, piece in the show. So I, I, I'm, I'm coming around more and more to the idea that somebody needs to be as much at the heart of the business as I am. And it's probably going to have to be a business partner. Awesome. Well, kind of going along with that, being an entertainer, a lot of shows have like a beginning, middle and end with a climax closer to the end how, how are you telling that story on stage that, that could be a bit nuts and bolts so what i mean by that is you know try and open with like an amazing trick try and top it instantly with like you know basically what the second best trick in the show bang second best trick in the show and then and then it's just this weird thing of like trying to do another trick which is like really really great but in a different style then some stand-up to give people a break from the magic and then just like bang, trick, trick, trick at the end. Now, remember, like a trick is like five minutes for me or like mm -hmm. 10 minutes. So these are routines. And then and at the end, the second to last thing is the best thing I do. And then the last thing is like a sleight of hand magic trick. Mm -hmm. So it like shows that, hey, you know what? Like I might be a genuine magical dragon with a magic performing chihuahua with a show girl doing, you know, roasting the audience and doing magic tricks at the same time. But at the heart, I spent 25 years learning sleight of hand magic and, and, and now I'm going to do it for you. So that's, that, that's like the journey that I want to take people, people on. But honestly, it's like, it, it is as simple as 
start with the best thing, start with the second best thing you can do and end with the best thing. Mm. And then along that way, just try and keep it as good as you can do. I mean, I remember, you know, like these people are only with me for 72 minutes. Right. It's a very so specific time. You can afford to, it's, it's according to Cirque du Soleil, it's the, uh, the longest someone can stay in a seat without getting bored. You can really hit people hard for 72 minutes. Like sometimes I've had to go on tour, I'll do like an hour and a half show with an interval. And then it's a def- very different pace. Mm. But 72 minutes, I'm like, bang, 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 bang. You get three minutes off. Bang, 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 bang. I'd love to go uh, wrap back around to this idea of the heart of funny business. Let's be real. The, a lot of times in business and in, in entertainment, especially, sometimes we just have to laugh at ourselves. Um, so what's one of like the best slash worst roasts that you've ever had of yourself by an audience member? Once somebody said to me, I was like, hey, what do you do? And I said, he said oh, I used to be a magician. And I said, oh, really? Why do, you, why do you stop? Couldn't hack it? And he said, no, I grew up. <laughs> oh, I've got nowhere to go on that one. <laughs> I was like, touche, my friend, touche. <laughs> I love that stuff. I love it. Because like you say, it's like, this is not, it's not like, it's not life or death. It's not, uh, you know, we're not doctors. So I think unless you can like laugh at yourself, then this is the wrong business to be in. What, what's the best thing you like about being a magician? I love performing. I love like the fact that I get to do my show on stage in front of a new audience every night. And, you know, comedy, when I'm like doing a stand-up bit, then usually that's pretty static. You know, the words stay roughly the same every night and I'll do it for three months and then put a new bit in. Magic, every single night, it could be different because you have somebody on stage with you essentially trying to ruin what you're about to do next. Ah. Because they're going, how does this work? You know, what's happening? Where's my thing? So it's it's definitely keeps you on your toes. Magic, I would imagine, is a fairly tight-knit community between all the different magicians, yeah. right? Everybody's always watching what the other person's doing and then trying to one-up that. So how do you stay at the top of your game specifically? Again, it goes back to that tightrope thing, never looking down, never looking to the left or the right. You know, just look ahead. And, and for me, it's like, the more I could, I don't say I'm, I'm not saying I, that's what I do. I'm saying that's what I try and do. Mm. And obviously there are days when I wobble all over the place. But the more I do that and the more I just go, hey, what material do I want to do? And what, 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 you know, what video do I want to make? What magic trick do I want to work on? And it means that in the show right now, there's stuff that no one's, no one in the world has ever done in our show. And we're doing it. You know, it's the funniest ever been. And I'm working hard to make it funnier each day. I, I, I don't know. I think unless you're really focused on what you can do, because no one else can do that. Everyone else can be, everyone else can do impressions of other people, maybe of what they've already done, but they can't ever like cap, capture what you, what's inside here that you can like bring, bring out and give to the world. And I've been on the other side of that where I've done things and I'm like, oh no, that was lazy. I just took something from somewhere or made a, and made a rubbish mm-hmm. version of it. So I just try and focus on what can I what can I bring here that no one else can bring? And let's just keep doing that over and over again. Uh, how can everyone find you? Piftomaticdragon.com. Uh, well, Piff, thank you so, so much for your time. For those of you at home, make sure to like and share this and then make sure to subscribe. We'll see you next week. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out 
in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, and most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to HarmanBrothersUniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.